Hello everybody, welcome back to Space Dust here. It's gonna be a little bit of a shorter episode. I'm actually pre-recording this the same day of, and there's been a lot of stuff going on. I had a couple appointments to get to, and I also have work again. I'm gonna be trying to get Fridays off. I don't know if they'll approve it, or at least Friday night so I could do this live with you guys, and not be on this time crunch. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get that uh, settled out. So this is probably only gonna be about a half hour, unfortunately. But I do got some good stuff to talk to you about today. I'm uh, I'm excited to talk about a couple things. One of them not space related, but uh, the rest of them are. So I want to start off with this thing. For some reason, this just popped up, but this was an article that uh, originally appeared on Vice in September 2018. But it just came up now. They just posted it two days ago. Uh, I guess they reposted it or something. I'm not sure. But um, it's uh, it's got Neil deGrasse Tyson, and so the uh, and so it says Neil deGrasse Tyson patiently, joyously explains to paparazzi what would happen if you smoked weed in space. And this was right around the events of where Elon Musk went on Joe Rogan's podcast and took like a hit of weed. And then everyone was freaking out. So someone came up to him, I guess the people from TMZ or something, and was talking about Elon Musk. And it was only like a minute and a half uh, video. But he first goes on to say, you know, just give the man a break, you know, basically, which is kind of what my whole opinion on that was too. Like, oh, Elon Musk had one hit of weed. He's the fucking devil because he's just uh, running this huge company and he smokes weed. But even Neil deGrasse Tyson was just like, just give the man a break. But... And uh, and then in about halfway through, this um, one of the guys asks, "So what would happen if you smoked weed in space?" And I wrote it down what uh Neil's answer was, and uh, you know how he talks. If you've ever listened to him or something, he's uh he's a pretty nice, cool dude. And so, here's what he said. He says, "In space now, many things will kill you." if you do anything to alter your understanding of what is reality. That's not in the interest of your health. So if you want to get high in space, lock yourself in your cabin and don't come out because you could break stuff inadvertently. <laughs> so yeah, it was just it was just a fun little thing that I found. So yeah, for all you um, weed head astronauts out there, if you end up listening to this show, but probably got a lot better things to do than to listen to my uh, my show here. But if there are even aspiring astronauts or any astronaut that's going through school, if you're going to get high in space, listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Just lock yourself in your cabin and don't come out. Because if you do the most minor fuck up while high, you're, you're fucked. Like, I, um, you know, there's people that have gotten high and left stuff in their pizza, like pizzas in their ovens and just had to cook for hours and, uh, if you do something like that in space, that you you're gonna fuck shit up and you're gonna die. <laughs> so, like what he said, lock yourself in your cabin or have someone lock you in there so you can't get out if you try. Uh, so yeah, that was a that was a funny little thing. Next thing I want to get to here is actually an article. It's called here. It was by the Guardian, and it says, and it's under the you know astronomy tab. It says, most detailed ever 3D map of Milky Way shows warped shape. And uh, it goes on here. 
to talk about the stars 60,000 light years away from the Milky Way center. So that's like its radius. And then they're as far as 4,500 light years above or below the galactic plane. This is a big percentage, said Dr. Dorota Goran of the University of Warsaw, first author of the latest research. Now, I actually went here and did the math, all right? Because our... Because everything is relatively flat, if you think about it. No, the Earth is not flat, okay? But if you look at the sun and then the Earth and then all the planets... They're relatively in a straight line, not a perfect straight line, but they're on like a plane, basically. And you just like set the objects down. There's going to be a couple varying degrees here and there. But as we talked about how stars form when the gas clouds come together, start swirling, then you get that protostar. It's swirling and creating this disk around it. So it's eventually going to all start revolving around the same plane within that disk. And so that leads to more it doesn't lead to more theories but it leads to more proof that how these stars were formed by creating this disk because you see our solar system and it's really flat and with the way the sun is spinning and pulling everything around it so i um i couldn't get the exact number on the uh varyingness of our solar system but what i was able to find here is the Earth-Sun plane is called the ecliptic. So I don't know if you just took a straight line and got the average between all of the planets. Earth might be a little bit above or below because the Earth isn't going to be directly in line with uh, everything. But if you do take it from the standpoint of Sun to Earth... It's, uh, it says most major planets in our solar system stay within three, degree, three degrees of the ecliptic. Now, if you took all those planets, though, averaged it out, and then put the straight line through the average, our Earth might be a little bit above or below that line. But saying the Earth's sun plane, we're calling it the ecliptic, most of the other planets stay within about three degrees of that ecliptic. And it does say Mercury is an exception. Its orbit is inclined to the ecliptic by seven degrees the dwarf planet pluto is a widely known exception to this rule its orbit is inclined to the ecliptic by more than 17 degrees 17 degrees is big and so is seven degrees um i don't think it's in this article but i also saw or not saw but i read one when i was sifting through a couple of them really quick i was just trying to get a number but that was the best uh numbers i could get but they said the asteroid belt is kind of like around 20 degrees so Yes, it's mainly a flat disk, you know, but it's not it's not perfect. But there was no numbers for the Milky Way, so I went ahead and did the numbers myself. And then I'll show you how I then I'll walk you through how I did it. Now, it gave it, it said stars 60,000 light years out and then they can vary as much as 45,000 light years, you know on the y-axis, but then x-axis, the level plane. Um, so with that, I didn't use the 60,000 number. I actually looked up on Google the radius of the Milky Way, because that's what you would use. Because that's from the center, is the radius. Then you go out 
And so that's probably an average. It's probably 60,000 light years at some points and not others. But I just took the Google average, which was 52,850 light years. So we took that. And then I took, you know, 45,000 or not 45,000, 4,500, right? And so if you go out 52,850 light years, go down 4,500 light years, and then you come back up, the angle of which the, uh, so you're going to want to measure that angle that's touching the hypotenuse and the x-axis, which is the 52,850. So go right. 53,000, go down 4,500, and then come back up. It's going to be a diagonal line back to the center. And then where you come back to the center, you want to get that angle. And if you all remember your, <laughs> I can't even think of the name right now, trigonometry, right? Sine, cosine, and tangent. You guys all remember Sokotoa. It's, and Sokotoa was sine, and then it's opposite over hypotenuse, cosine is adjacent over hypotenuse, and tangent is opposite over adjacent. So if I took that, um, and I could have used any one of these because I did figure out, um, well, I actually at first did it wrong. So the hypotenuse is just slightly longer than the 52,850. I didn't get that number, but it's probably around like 55 maybe. I don't know. But that angle is about 4.867 degrees. Now, the article and, like, all these researchers were like, that's a big difference. Oh, my God, yada, 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 yada. And, yes, it's more than our solar system. But think about it. The solar system was just a protodisc, and then it just had these couple planets. The Milky Way has billions of stars to do that with. So the fact that its uh, ecliptic plane is only about one, two degrees more different than our solar system. It's not really that drastic to me. It was actually cool. I assumed it obviously had some level of a variety in there, but I didn't know for sure. And now that's also probably the extreme because the article did say um, stars as far as 4,500 light years above or below the galactic plane. So that's like the farther most stars. But if you took the average, that's probably going to be even a smaller angle. Um, yeah, so I actually thought that was interesting. So if you guys want to use that for yourself, uh, let's do... We could do tangent because sine and cosine, you would have to use Pythagorean's theorem, which is a squared plus b squared equals c squared. So a squared or A is 52,850, so you'd square that, and then you'd add uh, 4,500 squared to that, and then you'd get the hypotenuse squared, so then you'd have to take the square root of that to get how long the hypotenuse is. And it's only a couple thousand more light years than, um, than the original radius, the 52,850. So, but if you just want to use tangent, you're only doing opposite over adjacent. So if you're looking at that angle that I was talking about earlier, the opposite of that is the Y where it's going down. So your opposite would be 4,500. And then your adjacent is the 52,850. Now, 
Yes, the hypotenuse is adjacent to it, but hypotenuse is labeled as H. So anytime you see A, it's not going to be the larger hypotenuse. So if you were to write this out, you would start and you got to give the angle a letter, a variable just to put in there. And now a lot of people get freaked out by algebra and like, oh my God, there's letters in math and stuff like that. It's not even so much that there's letters in math. They just use letters as a placeholder for something unknown that you're trying to find, right? You could call it literally anything you want. You could just put a box if you want to, a square, or like a question mark. But it's easier and it's more cohesive if you use letters. Because then if you're going to use those same letters somewhere else in different formulas, you can plug the letters in instead of writing out the whole number again and again and again. And that's like the same thing with, um, oh, what was I talking about last time? How, like how the speed of light is C. You don't have to, you don't want to write out the speed of light every single time and do it in meters per second. And then whatever you're trying to convert it to, you're converting it to this, this, and that. And do so many conversions, which there's a hundred times more room for error to mess up on a tiny conversion. Same thing with the distance from the Earth to the Sun. It's one astronomical unit, not 145,000 million whatever miles. Yes, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I probably should. but So that's why there's letters and stuff in math, you know? So it's not, it's not really that bad. It's not bad at all. But if we were going to go ahead and do this, I'm going to call that angle A. So we're going to have tangent of A is equal to, now tangent was opposite over adjacent. The opposite of that angle is the 4,500 light years, which is the y-axis, which that's where stars can variable go up and down. So you would have 4,500 over adjacent, and adjacent is the radius or the x-plane, which the radius of the Milky Way is the 52,850, right? So you have tangent of A equals 4,500 over 52,850, right? That's a, that's a pretty small number. That's like point, I don't know, like 0.1-ish, a, a little bit under 0.1, but that's about 0.1. Now, how did I get four degrees? Now, it's not A by itself, because A is the angle we're trying to find. We have the tangent of A equals that. So we have to get tangent to the other side to get A by itself. Because on the one side, we have tangent of A. And then on the other side, we have the 4,500 divided by 52,850. So in order to get rid of tangent, you take the inverse of tangent. So you multiply, well, yeah, you do inverse tangent. So it's just a uh, tan to the negative one. So it's kind of like one over tangent. So after you do that, then you'd have A equals the inverse tangent of 4,500 over 52,850. And now how you notate that is you got A by itself, and then you write out tan as if you were doing tangent. But if you guys remember exponents, like 2 squared is 4, and that's 2 to the second power, and there's the little 2 right above it. So if you have 5 squared, it's 5 with a little 2 to the top right. 
equals 25 because that means that's how many times it's multiplying by itself, right? But if you write inverses, you write it in the same spot, but where you would write the exponent like 2 if you were squaring something, you would put a negative 1. So tan, and then right up there in the top right of tan, you write negative 1, and then you go about doing the same thing with your parentheses, the 4,500 over 52,850. Now, even phone calculators have this nowadays. So you could you could do it on any calculator. Well, maybe not any calculator, like those very basic, just like computer desk calculators, maybe not. But most calculators, definitely scientific calculators, obviously, and phone calculators have it. You would just go there and just you would just do inverse tangent, make sure to put your parentheses, and then you do 4,500 divided by 52,850. And that's how I got 4.867. Uh, so, yeah, it's not it's not that hard. What's hard, though, is how you get from the very beginning to the end. You're like, oh, my God, how would you figure out the angle with just, like, two numbers? And a lot of math is visualizing what's going on, right? So you got to think, okay, if the article's saying... Uh, from the center of the Milky Way, stars can go 60,000 light years out. The Milky Way is a spiral galaxy, but for math and physics and all intended purposes, everything is a, not everything, but a lot of the times, just make a circle, all right? So Milky Way is your circle, and if it's saying from the center to the edge, you put a dot there, and then you put a line out to the edge. That's a radius. And so then you see that, and you're like, oh, that's a radius. And that might not like that might not click right away, but once you start drawing things out, that helps a lot. Especially when I started having calculus problems and stuff like that. They would just throw all these numbers at you and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? But then you just sit there, you don't get overwhelmed, you just take it one step at a time. You're like, alright, I got this number is this, this number is this, you kind of start drawing it out, and they just start slowly piecing stuff together. It's not like you just jump from the beginning to the end. There's work in the middle, so you got to start out slow, kind of take all the pieces that it's given you, use the tools that you know, draw it out, and see what you could do to try to get the end result. So we have the radius now, like I said, if we go from the center to the edge, that's the radius. Now, drawing a circle and putting that line out, you could see it, you know, just looking top down, yeah? But if you want to, you could just draw a line on the paper and put two points at the end. At the, at the first point, you can call it zero because it's the center. And then at the other point, you could call it the 60,000 or I googled 52,850, right? So then it's saying its stars at that point can vary up to about 4,500 light years. So that's up and down. So then you can draw the line up or down. It doesn't matter. I just chose to go down. So you have that line from 0 to 52,850. You're like, all right, it varies by, you know, 4,500 light years. So I'll go down 4,500. So that whole length is going to be 4,500. So... Now you're starting from 52,850, you're drawing down, and then that whole segment is going to equal 4,500. 
Then you connect that zero, and you see you got a triangle here. You connect the zero to the 4,500, and you got a right triangle. And then you're like, okay, well, I got two lengths here. I got the zero to 52,850. That's how long that top segment is. I got down is 4,500. If you remember, a squared plus b squared equals c squared. You can figure out the length of that other side and then use any one of the uh, trigonometric functions that you would like. Tangent, you don't even need the hypotenuse. So, and then you'd be like, okay, all I need is the 4,500 and the 52,850. And then if you remember Sokotoa, you go from there. Maybe you don't remember all this stuff, so you could Google it if you'd want to or if you were so inclined to figure this stuff out for yourself. But it's a... And you just kind of take it from there. You just do it piece by piece. You know, you don't want to rush into it. You don't want to overwhelm yourself. Just take it a little bit at a time. Math isn't just jumping from here to there. You look at what's given to you. You write all that stuff out first. And then you start thinking, okay, I need to get this end result. Start maybe drawing a diagram. You know, start doing stuff. And then kind of using your catalog of knowledge to think about, oh, if I take these two numbers, I could actually use this and this formula to get this, which might bring me closer to the answer I'm looking for. And sometimes you're gonna run into things that don't work. And you're like, okay, that didn't work. And then you try another route. You do that a lot in math. A lot of math is not necessarily, well, if you're going into math and science, engineering, physics, it's about getting the answer, right? But a lot of math that's taught in high school I really don't like the people that say, oh, why are we learning algebra? I don't care about, um, you know, all of this trigonometric functions when they don't even teach me how to balance a checkbook, blah, blah, blah. I have a big problem with that because, first of all, I understand not everybody has parents or parents that they could go to for that stuff, but a lot of that is the parent's job, right? They're supposed to teach you how to live life right if you don't have those options yes it'd be nice if school did offer those and those were actually electives in my school i don't know if that's standard to have electives like that now but i had a um a uh personal financing class right and i took that as an elective in high school and i learned how to like write a check do all that stuff a lot of the times we just watched uh dave ramsey videos he's like this money guru like on how to save money and stuff like that. That's what most of mine was. But, you know, a lot of that is offered as electives in school. But that should not replace algebra. And then, I think algebra or algebra 2 was the only required things. And then, anything else was optional. Like calculus, statistics, or I mean, pre-calculus, calculus, statistics. You don't have to take those, but if you're so inclined and if that's like you're going for engineering or science, stuff like that, go for it, you know? But algebra and algebra two and all that stuff, they know everybody's not going to be an engineer or anything like that, but it's problem solving. The key is problem solving. Even if you don't use that type of math, you learn how to think in a way like in a critical thinking way you take this problem look at what's given to you and you figure it out it's not necessarily about the math 
It's about figuring things out. And that's a key thing for kids to learn. I'm still a kid. I'm 23, you know, and um, it's good to have that. It's it's good problem solving skills. And then you may not think about it, but you're applying that stuff all the time. If you got a problem, what's the first thing you do? You sit down, figure out what the problem is, figure out what you need to do to fix that problem, and then you figure out what tools do you have already. You know? It's so it's being rational, thinking through the steps. It's not so they should not get so they should keep algebra mandatory in school. Yes, not everybody's gonna be a scientist or engineer. If they go on to go that, good for them. I was in that for a while. But the algebra stuff, people need just as much as balancing a checkbook or home ec, you know, like cooking or anything. Because, yes, those are more practical to do that specific thing. But the algebra and that kind of math is problem solving. And that applies to anything. Anything and everything that you do in your daily life. And people just don't realize that. And if we got rid of that, kids growing up would lose that critical thinking. They would lose their problem-solving skills. And we would kind of revert back. We need to get smarter with the human race. We need to explore more, get smarter, get more knowledge. We have so much knowledge at the fingertips with the Internet now that we didn't have, you know, 30 years ago. Maybe it was just starting to come out 30 years ago, like 89 but it wasn't available to the public yet at that point. Or if it was, it was like for very rich people. But mid-90s to late 90s is when that stuff took off, you know? 20, 25 years ago. They didn't have all this back then. And people did crazy things back then. But people knew how to work through these problems because of algebra. That's a little uh, digressing rant. But it is. It's true. You need that stuff. The balancing the checkbooks and all that stuff, that is very important too. To live your life, to know how to do these things, to function as an adult in society, right? I can go on a whole rant about what's going on now in our state, but, you know, I'll just, I'll just end it there. I think I got, I think I got my point across. Um, speaking of states, I didn't mean as in the state I live in, I just spent the state of our you know, U.S., world, etc. Speaking of state, though, I live close to Chicago, and I didn't know this was a thing. Okay, so this is the non-sciencey thing I found. And this was actually posted by the Chicago Tribune yesterday, and I had no clue about this. Apparently, this has been going on for a while, but it's titled, Meet the People Working to Kick Chicago Out of Illinois. And I sifted through it a little bit. People want to secede Chicago from the rest of Illinois to become its own state. And it's a legit thing. And I was very baffled. Or I think they said Cook County. Cook County, Chicago, you know, somewhere around there. Basically, just take that small chunk. I mean, it hosts most, probably, of all the residents of Illinois. So, I mean, yeah, people-wise, that's a Maybe not the majority, but it's damn near close to the majority of all the residents living in Illinois, right? But second off, though, that's such a small amount of area and land that there's no point. I mean, there are small-ass countries in Europe, don't get me wrong. 
like the Vatican, I think, you know, it's technically considered, well, I don't know if it's considered a country, but it's like its own place. But yeah, people are actually down for trying to secede Chicago out of Illinois. That's insane. Um, and I guess there was actually some Congress people backing it. Um, here, hold on. Uh, in February, is J.B. Pritzker pursuing an agenda for Illinois that included new tax and abortion policies? Hallbrook, so I guess this is the guy, Hallbrook refiled a resolution in the state legislature, H.R. 101, in which he and six co-sponsors asked the U.S. Congress to recognize Chicago as the 51st state. And then, quote, I hear it a lot from my constituents that we need to separate, that we need to be separate from Chicago. Hallbrook says, I thought, yep, this is what we need to do. I don't see how this could help at all. I don't I don't see how that could help. I didn't go through the whole article. This is a long effing article here. So I didn't get a chance to read through all of it. But yeah, you know, sometimes headlines are clickbaity, so it's not going to say if to kick Chicago out of Illinois, it might not have been, you know, legit. But I just clicked on it just to see what it was and it is a legit thing, and that's baffling to me. So, yeah, there was just that little bit of extra, extra little news. Um, damn, I really wish I had more time for you guys. I talked about oh, the Milky Way, Neil deGrasse Tyson a bit, and the Chicago thing. The Milky Way thing was really cool. I, I, I hope you guys do find that interesting. Um, I had a couple more articles here. But you know what? I didn't dive into these as much, and I don't want to do them injustice. Because some of these are cool. Um, so, I am I am actually going to end it here. It's 30 minutes and 6 seconds and counting. So, Sorry about that, guys. Yes, it's a shorter episode, but I hope you learned something. I hope you had a good time. I'm going to take a couple minutes to actually plug here. So, I've talked about it a lot. My band, The Astronaut, recorded here, and so did my friends in Moonbreath. Now, we are legitimately friends. All of us have been friends since high school, and we're six years out of high school. So that's eight, nine years. So we've been friends a long time. So we just have two separate bands, and that's cool. And we bonded over loving music, loving similar types of music and different music, and all playing instruments, too. We've all been best friends for a long time. So, Moonbreath and The Astronaut have both recorded here, and we're both playing tomorrow, August 3rd, 2019, at Porter's Tap in Hammond. It's just a little bit, a couple blocks north of uh, the expressway. Maybe a few more than a couple blocks, but it's not that far up the road. So it's going to be on the east side of the street on Kennedy Avenue in Hammond. Uh, yeah, just a few blocks north of uh, 8094. It's going to be a good time. The show starts about 830, I believe, and that's when Moonbreath starts. Uh, I'm not sure exactly for times and stuff like that, but I think every set's going to be like half hour to 45 minutes. So it's Moonbreath, one other band, and then The Astronaut. So if you want to hear us, come check it out. We both have CDs out. We both have recorded here. Both of our stuff is on uh, Bandcamp. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun night Saturday night tomorrow. Uh, 
Also, if you guys are in the area as well, uh, the Lake County Festival has started. So I think that's going on for a week. So go check that out. That's going to be a good time. I want to get by there at some point too. Um, I actually I actually forgot about it, but I had a uh, customer come in yesterday looking for some like a uh, water filter, stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's for the lemonade stand for the uh, – uh, Lake County Festival that's starting. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. But that's my little plug. You've been listening to Space Dust here. Thank you, guys. Sorry it was a short episode. But I hope you learned a lot. And I hope you didn't get too bored me talking about how to figure out what I figured out with the Milky Way and then my little rant about math. <laughs> but nonetheless, I hope you guys had a good time. DM me, ask me questions, blah, blah, blah. Twitter is atomic underscore drummer you can find me there or just go to the ap facebook page you could probably just dm if you had questions about space dust or questions about space um you can hit us up at either of those places ask me questions i i it's not gonna probably be for a month if they approve it but i would really like to get my friday nights off so i can do this live with you guys because i've been talking about it hyping it up for so long but i really want to do those call-ins like really bad Cause that'd be really cool to have you guys listening call if I'm talking about something I can open up the calls you guys have questions and if I can answer it right then and there I will if not I will do research and answer that question for you guys next week and so that'd be cool but if you guys did have questions wanted to know ahead of time that I could answer for the next show hit me up at either of those platforms uh, that's been it uh, thank you guys so much I'm about to go work eight hours here so I'll be almost done by the time you guys are listening to this. So have a good night, everybody. Stay safe out there. The weekend's coming. It's going to be it's gonna be a good weekend. And that does it. This has been Space Dust on AP Radio.